The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the officially unofficial podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta. We are joined with a very special guest, the former member of the Vandy Boys 2022 first round draft selection. Is that good? You tell me. And the eighth ranked prospect for the New York Yankees. It is my pleasure to welcome Spencer Jones to the official unofficial podcast. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm fired up to have you on, man. Like I said, I mean, I've heard nothing but absolutely unreal things about you. You're just an absolute dog. You got to respect it. Let's go right into it, man. So you're a Cali guy through and through, living Cali. On a scale of 1 to 10, I asked this to Tyler Glass now a couple years ago or last year. How much of a Cali kid were you growing up? Were you that guy ripping the skate park with the boys earlier in like in your teenage years? Like, How much of a Cali kid are you? Um, I would say I'm probably... A five or a six. I never figured out the board sports growing up. So <laughs> never had the surfboard that worked or the skateboard that I could balance on. So um, didn't really spend much time at those. But I went to the beach almost every day growing up in the summertime. Is there a picture of you with like a like a shark tooth necklace or a puka shell necklace growing up that we could maybe find in the archives? Or you weren't like that growing up? Oh, no, there's definitely one of me with a uh, shark, tooth ne- shark tooth necklace somewhere out there. <laughs> For sure. I can respect that. I can respect that. How nasty were you at, uh, like, were you a football player growing up as well, or were you just, like, strictly a baseball guy? So I played, like, football and basketball growing up, as as well as baseball. Um, As soon as I got old enough to get out of Pee Wee soccer and start playing Pop Warner, my parents let me. Um, But I had a couple of head injuries when I was younger, uh, just because I was a little too big for the uh, shoulder pads and the helmet. I kind of had a gap where my neck was. Yeah, so I get a lot of whiplash and uh, did that a little bit. Wasn't really a big fan. They always put me on the line and I wasn't really a fan of just like hitting everybody. I'd rather run around and try and get the ball. So I have one career touchdown as a tight end. It's about it. Hopefully you kept the game ball. I mean, I'm yeah. looking at your I'm looking at your size here, dude. You would be an absolute menace on the football field. Like, I can't wait till that time you make it to the show where people are like bringing up like the LeBron discussion where it's like, man, this guy would be a menace on the football field. I mean, you're six foot seven, two twenty five. Like that's just that's just absurd. So were you a dog at high school when you were younger or were you just like one of those guys that was just like 
uh, like a baby giraffe that was just too big for like couldn't really be athletic with his body size yet. I'd always been athletic. I just never had any like strength behind it. So I was always <laughs> I think I was I think I grew to be six seven by the time I was a sophomore in high school. And I was like six seven, a buck eighty, just pencil thin, trying to work it out. So I didn't have much strength yet just because I had such long levers. And I never really figured that one out until I got to college until my last year. So yeah, I can. Resp- so you were like that NBA. Ba- Who's that basketball player that went to Gonzaga that got drafted like first round last year? Uh, Chet. You were like Chet Holmgren. You're like you're like baseball's version of Chet Holmgren. Is that is that who you were <laughs> younger when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I was that 12 year old that you'd play in little league. That was like six three, way bigger than everybody. Threw harder, hit the ball really far. <laughs> I was I was that kid growing up, and then Did I just kept getting taller. Years- did you have to play like years up, like when you were younger, because you were probably just throwing absolute fuzz on the mound and kids were like, this kid just has no business being here. Uh, it's funny, actually, my dad, my last year of Little League, um, when I was doing like 12 year and stuff, he made me play with a 14 and under team just so I felt challenged. <laughs> That's king it was shit. funny. That's king shit. Like, is, is there kids in your area that are going to be telling stories about like you when you were a kid being like, man, Jonesy used to absolutely just fucking carve our entire team and just mash off us. Like, is there kids like local kids going to be telling stories about you? Uh, you never know. Um, I mean, the funniest story that came up um, around the draft cycle, my dad was telling me about it. We had a bunch of people over there telling stories. One of them was that they had a uh, they had a league meeting um, when I was younger that they wanted to put up an L screen in front of the pitcher just in case they hit the ball <laughs> back to the pitcher. They didn't want the kid to get hurt. So that one was pretty funny hearing that. I never knew about that. My dad didn't want me to feel, you know, left out or, you know, like supposed to hold back. So it never came to never came to fruition, but I always thought that one was funny. Looking back on it in retrospect, like it's kind of sickening that when you were like 15 years old that you're taller than what I am at 25 years old. Like that that just isn't fair. Like and I wonder this and maybe this is a little pump your like a pump your tire situation here, but when you were that age, was that when your dad or maybe your family members knew that you were kind of different than the kids you were playing against? Like you were just a little bit better, like more athletic or just like naturally got more things easier than other kids got? Like when did you kind of realize that you were like really good at the game of baseball? Um, Probably around like 14 or 15. I kind of figured out that, you know, um, I was hitting the ball a little bit harder. I was running faster and I thought I had a chance to play college baseball. And so my dad put me on a travel team up in like LA. We would commute two hours every Tuesday to go to practice and go up to tournaments on the weekends. And the coach said, like, yeah, you could I could see you at like a mid-major somewhere in California. You, know, you could keep <laughs> playing baseball. And I was like, Yeah, no, like that sounds like the dream, you know, because I didn't know what I was capable of. Yeah. And then we went out to some tournament in Georgia and I hit like six hundred in one of those perfect game tournaments. And then I got calls from like LSU and Arizona and Vanderbilt among other schools. And I realized like, Hey, I might, I might be a little bit better than a mid-major guy. We'll see. When did you commit to Vandy? What year were you? I was a freshman in high school. I hate you, dude. That's, that's bullshit, bro. Were you, holy shit. Were kids on the, so you were playing probably varsity high varsity baseball when you were a freshman, I'm assuming. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, were kids on the team like fuck this kid? Like this kid's a freshman and he's committed to Vandy. Like, what was that like? Because obviously, some kids are probably jealous. They're probably grinding to get a scholarship and stuff like that. And then this freshman comes in and he's committed to the best school in the nation. Like, was there a little bit of like a uh, resentment towards you when you were in high school? 
that's kind of funny is I actually committed to Vanderbilt before I played an inning of high school baseball. So I didn't even know anybody <laughs> at the school. So I committed and I got there, you know, the guys were happy for me and stuff, but I probably got like eight at bats my whole freshman year. I really? Didn't play at all. Yeah. They had me sit and watch and learn from the older guys that deserve to be there. So, so was your high school team a wagon? Like, were you guys good? We were good. Um, my freshman year, Mickey Moniak got picked first overall out of there. Oh, So we, we had a pretty good team. And yeah. so I was able to learn a lot from him and his friends and, you know, all that, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, listen, obviously I'm Canadian. I'm just fascinated with these American high school sports. Like was your, was your high school team ran like a pro club? Like, were you guys like going through off season training together, like grinding, doing like four week, four days, like four, like two a days and stuff like that? Or what, what, what was it like, especially at your school? Cause you said you were a good baseball school. Um, no, I mean, we were public school, so we didn't have any of the travel teams. They had some structure to it, but a lot of the guys didn't do it. And we just, we'd have baseball PE in the fall. So that was our way to get like team conditioning in throughout the year. And we just build up uh, baseball PE into baseball practice when spring came around. And that was pretty much it. But I knew all the guys growing up because it was, you know, people I played with in Little League and travel ball and whatever else. But I, I personally didn't play with a lot of the guys um, during like the off season, I guess, like in summer circuits and stuff. That makes sense. I mean, so obviously, like you said, you got recruited by a pretty shit ton of schools. Did part of you, and obviously you don't regret going to Vandy, but did part of you regret committing early so you couldn't go on these like sick official visits to like LSU, like all these nasty, not part, uh, yeah, party schools and just got to see the SEC atmospheres at some of these areas? Yeah, I mean, that was so new to me. Like, for me, like, when I was younger, I even knew this, is that I wanted to get out of California. I wanted to go play, you know, somewhere, like, that's good at school and good at baseball and Vanderbilt check those boxes. So I never really had any, you know, second thoughts or regrets or anything. It wasn't until I got to campus and was going through it and was hitting those low points where I was like, damn, I really should have, you know, thought about trying out other things or committing so early. Cause it's hard to make that decision at, you know, 14 years old yeah. where you're going to spend, you know, your life after high school. And for a little bit of time, I regretted it. But once I found my groove at Vanderbilt, I knew it was a place for me. So what sold you on Vandy? Like the, cause it's pretty easy to sell a kid on Vandy. Like look at all these pro guys, like, you know, who Walker Bueller is. Yeah. He went here. You know, who David Price is. Yeah. He went here. What? how easy is it to sell a 14 year old kid to come to Vandy? I was a pretty easy sell. I mean, because I knew I knew I wanted to go there from the start and I knew that my grandparents would be happy about the education. So I knew that everything on my side, like they would have been a perfect fit for me, regardless if I you know, kept playing baseball or not. Um, but they had a bunch of pro guys running around. I think that first day, I think the first person I saw there other than the coaches was like Dansby Swanson getting a lift in. And that was right after he got drafted first overall. So I was like, I think this is the place I want to be if I want to take that next step, you know? So did, did, did you even go to LSU? Like, did you visit those schools? No, I took, my parents said they'd only pay for one out of state visit. And we did. Uh, <laughs> we went down to Vanderbilt. They're sick to their stomach. I, I mean, you hate to see that. That's all time. But I mean, the Vandy boys is like, it's honest. It, it's such a sick program because you have all of these pro guys to kind of lean on and, all that type of stuff. So after you got drafted, did any guys like reach out to you from that are in the, like in the big league stuff? I know David price is pretty good with that type of stuff. Uh, did anyone reach out to you or stuff like that after the draft? Yeah. A handful of guys reached out. Um, I'd have to go back through and look, but um, since coming back, I'm, I'm living in Nashville now and training at Vanderbilt with a bunch of the guys. 
So being able to see them and talk to them face to face and have them say congratulations is pretty gratifying stuff, you know. And do you throw live against pro guys? I'm assuming in the off season you're going to be throwing live against the big boys. Like I, I would love to see an at bat you versus Dansby Swanson. I actually no, sorry. I, I'd love to see you not bat against Walker Bueller. Sorry, fucking not pitching, but I love to see you not bat against Walker Bueller. That'd be electric. That'd be electric shit. Are you like run? Are you working out like lifting with them as well as like training on the field with them? Yeah, so it's just a combination of both. So the first half of the offseason was just like gaining weight, gaining strength, mostly in the weight room, and then other, you know, agility, whatever, trying to keep flexibility and explosiveness. And then like the second half of the offseason, like after Thanksgiving, is when we'll be on the field more. Um, some guys will be built up to throw live at bat probably towards the end of December. And then we'll just kind of go from there and build up until spring training. How hard is it for you to gain weight? Being a six foot seven guy, like, are, do you do you put on the lbs a little bit easier, or like, or do you have to like eat a shit ton of calories and lift a shit ton to get that bulk and muscle on you? It takes me a lot of work to put on weight and to hold it. <laughs> so I have a pretty I have a pretty strict routine when it comes to that stuff now because I didn't understand it when I was younger. I was always wondering like I'm eating as much as everybody else, but I'm not putting on any weight. And then I learned that because I have you know so much body, I burn a lot of calories. So I had to you know, line all that stuff up for me pretty well. But when I have a good routine, I gain weight pretty easily as long as they just stick to it. So you being like a dual guy, because obviously when you were, I believe in high school, right, you used to pitch and hit. Um, how? What, which one do you, would you say like you were more proud of, of your stats in high school, the pitching or the hitting? Hitting. 100% really? Hitting. Yeah. What are your, no- so I-, I can't, like your numbers have to just be absolutely idiotic, right? Let me. I was not a good high school pitcher. I'll be honest. <laughs> didn't throw many strikes. You got lit up? I just didn't throw many strikes. Threw the ball hard. Didn't really know where it was going, though. <laughs> That's all time. I Because we got, obviously, stories about you from guys that you played against, stuff like that. And they said in high school, like, your games would have, like, 60 scouts just there watching you pitch and all that type of stuff. Wow, you ran it up to 94 on the bump, huh? God damn. Six seven six sixty. Holy shit. Are, I, it does. It does. Some part of you, when you're playing in the minors, like man, I kind of want to just let it eat on the mound a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it happened to me at Vanderbilt a handful of times, and we'd be playing a game. I was like, damn, I wish I could pitch. That'd be fun to close this one out. You know? What is easier, do you think? Like, because I, I always wonder this. I, I, I always ask this to guys. Like, what do you? What is easier at like the professional level, in your opinion? But obviously, both are hard. But is is performing as a pitcher easier than performing as a hitter? You think? For me, where I'm at, I couldn't imagine being a pitcher. Like those guys, they're on call all the time, or at least the relief guys. Yeah. Starting pitchers have a better routine. But I mean, it's difficult both ways. I just like the hitting part of it because there's not a lot of guesswork. It's like you just kind of do everything, then you go out and play your game mm-hmm. and then just go from there. But it's pitchers, it's like, you know, you only pitch ever so often. And at least when you're hitting, you have at bats, so you can forget it every single day if you don't do too hot. So it's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, you were the second ranked left-handed pitcher in the, in in America. So I mean, you said you saying you can't throw strikes is crazy. I mean, uh, maybe you didn't. That is just absurd. Ninety four from the left side. Are you kidding me? Is that like? So when did you realize? I know I asked you earlier. When did you realize you were good at baseball? When did you realize that you had a legitimate chance to be like a very high draft pick or be like a guy that's has like a really good chance of going to the show or like getting drafted high by a really good team and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, my family always kept things in perspective because, you know, the draft is only just, like, a step of it. Yeah, And we just wanted shoot. to make sure. Right, exactly. So, it's like we just wanted to make sure I was in a really good spot to when I did go into the draft, like, I'd be ready to go. 
Mm-hmm. And at a high school, I mean, I broke my arm, my throwing arm, first time I'd ever been hurt. And at that point, I was like, you know, I don't really know if I should go to the draft. I had the opportunity to um, at a high school. It just didn't didn't seem right. And it didn't sit well with my family. And that was one of those things where it was like going into my senior year. It's like, oh, I have a chance to get drafted and be a two way. And I thought a lot about it. And that really, you know, was, you know, not something not something healthy for a 17 year old to be thinking about every single day especially when he's trying to go out there and have fun and, you know, be a kid still. So um, after that injury, I kind of realized like, Hey, Vanderbilt would probably be the best call and worked out for the better. So, I mean, I mean I'm watching here a perfect game video of you from 2017 first pitch, just 50, 50 foot fastball, right into the, right into the mud. That's just, I mean, perfect game. Maybe let's get that one deleted. Let's keep the rest. Let's get that one deleted. That is all time. So you were you were like a showcase guy. I mean, you, there's tons of videos of you from showcase. I believe you were named to the uh, perfect game All American Classic team. Is that correct as well? Yep, did that where, one. Where were you when you were, when you found out you were an All American? Because I'll tell you what, I say this all the time. I would be the cockiest piece of shit if I was an all, perfect game All American in high school. I would just be the worst human being of all time. So credit to you for how humble you are. When were you like? When did you realize you were named, or when when did that happen? I was actually at the beach. I was there with some buddies I hadn't seen in a while. I had a buddy who played in uh, Michigan for a little bit, and he was back. And I just got a phone call when I was at the beach, had to take it. They called me told me. It was exciting stuff. I think I packed up my stuff and went home and told my parents right away. So that was pretty cool. It's a sick game. I mean, who who were some of the players that were there with you that are like uh, first-round picks and stuff like that drafted now? Um, well, Corbin Carroll is out there. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., Ew. Riley Green, uh, Jack Leiter was there. Um, Landon Sims was on that team. Um, Kay Doty was out there. We had a bunch of guys, a bunch of really, really good baseball players in that class. Volpe too, who's um, yeah with the Yankees also. And that yeah, kid's disgusting, good- by the way. Anthony Volpe is disgusting. That kid is so good. Who who's one guy you've played with so far in your career? Um, university or even played against university high school where you're like this kid is an absolute freak and he's going to be in the show for a very long period of time is it Anthony Volpe like who is it yeah I mean Volpe's one of those guys I mean I played with Leiter forever he's one of my best friends and watching him play in college was special him and Rock at that point were insane for that one season Mm -hmm. Um, I think Cruz at LSU is really good I think he's going to be a really good ball player um now there's plenty of guys I've played with and played against. I was with Austin Martin his junior year. I mean, I played travel ball with Spencer Torkelson. I always thought he was special. So it's pretty cool stuff. What yeah. is that? So did you ever have a chance to play for that travel ball team that like Drew Jones was on and stuff like that? What's that team called? I don't even remember. There's there's like tons of YouTube videos of them on whatever. I Like was your travel team just an absolute wagon? Like were you guys just dog walking teams in the perfect game invitationals and stuff like that? Yeah, we did a little bit. We had a pretty good team back <laughs> in the day. Who was on that team? Torque, obviously. You said who else? Torque was on that team. Uh, Wells was on that team. Um, Austin Wells with the Yankees? Yeah, Wells was on that team. Um, I can't really think of any other guys. Quinn Priester played with us for a little bit, too. Um, God, you yeah, guys we, probably we, just... That team sounds just absolutely insane. Holy shit. We had a handful of guys that were pretty good in that program. Yeah. So. And then let's go into the – let's go into you getting drafted. For, your, for the first time you got drafted. So, obviously, like you said, you had a chance. 
Um, you had a chance to get drafted out of high school, but you chose to obviously go to Vandy and stuff like that. How hard is it for like uh, a 18 year old kid to just be like, I, I, I just got drafted by a pro team. I want to go to school instead. Like how hard was that for you? Um, I mean, it was different. Like none of my buddies were doing that at the time. Right. And um, one second. Yeah. I had been, I'd been doing, yeah, I've been, I've been playing and it was just like, it was hard because at the time I was hurt and it's hard for an 18 year old to say no to $2 million at the time. Right. And then just <laughs> yeah. go and bet on himself at school. And so like, it was hard at first. And then once I kind of figured out why I did it and what I was doing and found some purpose, it like made more sense. But like as a young kid, like it's hard to even grasp that amount of money when I've never you know, seen that much in my life. Yeah, so. exactly. So what I'm going to do here is, so the guy that really helps, that helps out a shit ton with this podcast, he makes all the graphics and stuff like that. He's a massive Yankee fan. I'm going to let him in. Just ask him. What, um, it's going to be one question with Billy. He's going to obviously, I think he's going to pump your, I don't know what he's going to ask. So this is, I'm just letting it go off the loose here. I'm going to bring him in. And we're gonna get we're gonna get a question from Billy here. Hashtag thank you, Johnny. What a class act I am for doing this, by the way. Billy, can you hear us, buddy? Billy. What's up? Is the audio good? Yeah. All right. We're here with Spencer Jones, Jonesy, eighth ranked prospect for the Yankees. Uh Billy's a big Yankee fan, as many of the listeners know. I've made it clear here. Billy, what's your one question you have for Jonesy here? Um, it's kind of too but uh it's the same thing uh last year uh spencer was had a pretty good season as a sophomore at vanderbilt and then this year he made a massive leap statistics went all the way up uh like 370 batting average like a 460 on base i believe something like that in like 60 games i just want to know if uh there's any changes he made during the off season if he uh practiced anything differently and then also after the season ended i think he lost the Oklahoma State, unfortunately. Um, is there anything he did in the month between when he signed his contract or got drafted in June or July, whatever it was, between then and August when he debuted with the rookie league team in Tampa? Is there anything he did differently or anything he did to stay loose? Because he had that massive run. I mean, the three games with the rookie ball team where he hit 500 and then the really respectable 325, 411. He had 22 games uh, at the end of the year with Tampa. Yeah. So when I, when I went from my sophomore to junior year of college, I played in the Cape Cod league and that made the biggest difference for me because when I was at Vanderbilt, I wasn't playing very often, didn't have a chance to, you know, go out there and do it every single day going out there and having to play six days a week. They had me playing center field and hitting leadoff like I am doing now with the Yankees. Like, it helped me a lot, like, trusting myself as an athlete. It just gave me enough time to see more pitches and whatever else because I had been rehabbing Tommy John surgery after my freshman year. So that kind of knocked me out my whole sophomore year as far as feeling, like, included and, like, ready to play every single day. So I went there and, you know, got a lot of confidence, made me realize, like, hey, I could be pretty good at this baseball thing. Um, if I really get into it this year and then like the, the funny changes, I made a huge swing change um, literally after the fall, right before the spring, when I showed up um, right before the season, um, I went and worked out with some guys at the Titleist Performance Institute and they put my body in a couple positions where I felt a little stronger with my bat. Like I realized like I was big and strong enough that I didn't have to load. So I could just be on my backside, just stick my hands back and just give my, uh, handsome room to clear the plate and it was like night and day compared to how I used to be hitting the ball to what I was doing. 
And then I guess it's just a combination of that stuff, confidence from the Cape, because we went out there and won, and I was like one of the main players. And then just went out there and just tried to stay consistent this season. And then after the season wrapped up at Oregon State, I was back in California, and I was training at a place called Exos, where um, a bunch of NFL guys go before the draft normally. And so I was training with a bunch of really good athletes, and they had me on a really good program over there five days a week. And so I've been doing that for about a month, uh, a little bit longer than that. And then I was ready to go for the season. There it is. There it is. Billy, I appreciate you hopping on this, man. And listen, this is this, uh, listen. never say Johnny Junta didn't do anything for you, all right? I'm getting you on the line here with one of the best prospects in the Yankees system. All right, Billy? I, I appreciate, appreciate it, man. There it is, man. All right? Any, any, yeah, any last course. words to Jonesy, Billy? Any what? Any last words to Jonesy? Any any words of encouragement from a Yankee fan? Maybe you'll maybe you'll back him up on Twitter when Yankee fans start trying to come at him. Maybe you'll maybe um, go back at him. Hey man, if he's producing like he was in Tampa, there's not going to be a single thing Yankee fans can say to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Billy. Thank you, brother. No problem. Having a nice rest of the pod. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, Billy. Yeah. So Jonesy, I don't know if you know this. Um, I'm one of the most hated by Yankee fans on TikTok. I don't know what it is. Maybe because I'm a big Jays guy, but Yankee fans absolutely like hate, like they hate me. Like I've gotten death threat. They hate me. So I've got to ask you this. What has been the reception been like for you from Yankee fans? Like are people saying outlandish stuff like call them up now? Because obviously that those, that year you had last year was absurd and we'll go into that. But like, what has the reception been like for Yankee fans for you, your mentions and all your comments and DMS? Um, a couple of the posts, see, people seem pretty supportive. Um, like I can't wait to get to know Yankees fans because I know, um, East Coast baseball is a different breed than the West Coast. And I was lucky enough to go out to a couple games at Yankee Stadium for the playoffs. And I was just kind of running around with my buddies, and a couple people noticed me and said how happy they were that I was in the organization. So, so far, it's been great. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get to know that city more and those fans more as time goes on. I will say one thing for you, though, which is going to suck because Yankee players are very, po like, obviously popular around the community and stuff like that. You're impossible to miss. You're tall as fuck, and you're kind of yoked. And I'll, I'll say it right here, decent-looking dude. You're a man rocket. It is impossible for Yankee fans not to notice you in public. It is going to be a nightmare for you. It's just like, what was it like at Vandy for you? Because obviously those fans are pretty interactive and stuff like that. Like, do you get noticed a lot when you're back at, in Nashville and all that type of stuff? No, it's not a big deal when I'm back in Nashville. Um, I mean, even in, like it wasn't really a big deal. The baseball players are on campus at Vanderbilt, which is really nice because it was just easy to go about the day because it's just not, I don't know, it's just not like one of those bigger schools where, you know, I'm the quarterback and I go play every Saturday and I don't have to go to class. Like I was in class every single day and we were doing it. And all the guys always joke about like it would be fun to be recognized, but at the same time, like stuff doesn't matter. So. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Who's uh I love these stories from uh especially the Vandy guys that we've had on. I think you know Tyler Beatty? We've had Tyler Beatty on the podcast. He's a first rounder from uh Vandy, plays for the Pirates now. Um 
Who was one team in the SEC that you guys just never got along with that you guys just absolutely hated and they hated you guys? Like the biggest rivalry you had? I would probably have to say University of Tennessee. Really? Um, I didn't understand. I never really understood college rivalries because growing up in San Diego, my parents didn't really go to big schools. So we weren't really the biggest college sport fans. And I had no idea what these environments were going to be like until I was in them, until playing in them. And like those games we played against Tennessee were always back and forth, really good baseball games. So Let, let's give the playbook here. What is a couple chirps that fans would say to you? Like what's a couple chirps that fans are saying to, to, to Jonesy here? What are people saying to you? That's like, all right, that, he got me there. What's one thing in the playbook? Um, trying to think. I heard some pretty nasty chirps this year, but a lot of them were related <laughs> to my height and how I shouldn't be playing baseball, that I should be, you know, um, on the other side at Memorial Gym or playing football <laughs> and catching touchdown passes. They That's always honestly said, not like, a what chirp, you... though. That's not a chirp. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> they would just make fun of me because I was so tall. They asked me how hard it was to tie my shoes, that kind of thing. So, oh, okay. So it's terrible chirps. That's, I mean, I, I can respect that. I mean, one thing that I, you also did at Vandy, which is, by the way, one of the coldest celebrations I've ever seen in my life, is you do like the Erling Holland, um, what is it called? Uh, meditation kind of celebration how long have you been doing that um i pulled that on out first weekend so we were uh, <laughs> we were joking about like what are we gonna do every time we hit a double and um our outfield coach at vanderbilt was hilarious he would make us do sunballs every single day and he said you got to praise the sun the sun's gonna help you out when you need it so we have to put in our daily sun worship so i was like all right sun <laughs> worship like the sun was shining down that day and it was like perfectly on second base. So I hit a sun worship pose for him and everybody loved it. And so stuck from there. I, it's just, it's so goddamn electric. I mean, do you know that the salt at the soccer celebration? I had no clue. I just went out there and did it one day. Yeah. Cause that's like an Erling Holland thing. He plays for uh Manchester city. He does that every time he scores. It's a cold celebration. It's all time. Have you brought that to the Yankees with you or are you just done with it? Um, I kind of just do whatever, man. I mean, at Vanderbilt, that one fired us up because it was an inside joke. And then I was only in Tampa for a month, so I just kind of play around with whatever the guys were doing on the team. So. I can respect that. So, obviously, you get drafted first round. You sign for, like I said, we're not going to talk about another man's money, but you sign for a pretty decent amount of money. What's the first thing you bought? What's the dumbest thing or most expensive thing that you bought where you're like, this is kind I mean, this is baller shit. <laughs> Um, I went and bought a car like the week my check came in. Hell yes, in- dude. What car did you get? I got a Ford Bronco, a wild track. Damn. That, I mean, that's baller shit. Is that coming with you to spring training? You bringing that with you to Florida? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll oh, be there. Yes. Did you block it out? Or like what What? What made it so expensive? Is it like fully fully geared up with everything? Or what's what makes it expensive? Obviously, it's a Bronco. It is expensive. But what what like what additions did you make to it? I haven't done anything yet. So um, I actually, I take that back. I dropped it off at the shop right before I came back home. I'm going to put some bumpers on it, make it look cool. But I haven't done anything crazy to it yet. I just tinted the windows and um, messed with the sound system a little bit. But I mean, it's a fun car. It's got a leather interior, which is awesome. The uh, The car that I had grown up, it didn't have uh, air conditioning or power Mine doesn't either, brother. We're grinding or- together. Or a radio and like the engine wouldn't turn on half the time and some of the doors didn't open so like when i had a car with like a leather interior and like a touch screen i was like this is insane this is the nicest thing i'll ever have <laughs> hold on to it forever so yeah, what was the finalist special. what was the finalist for the cars you were gonna get like were you looking at some like 
performance vehicles and like I kind of want that or what was it the Bronco that just that it was always the Bronco um I've been talking to my buddies about it beforehand and they're always giving me shit like I have, to, I have to find a car that's tall enough for me to like you know sit in and be comfortable so I couldn't get anything too low to the ground or else it'd be hard for me to get out of so I wanted to get <laughs> something raised up a little bit to make it a little easier on myself and then How? I'm just yeah I also didn't see myself driving a truck because I don't really tow things around yeah so. you're not a truck guy you don't you don't give me i mean you're a cali kid to be honest i'm surprised you didn't buy a tesla like was a tesla <laughs> one of the options for you i thought about it yeah but i'm just gonna <laughs> wait i'm gonna wait another five ten years until those motors can go across the country so <laughs> that's baller dude i respect the fuck out of that that's king shit but um obviously you mentioned that check hitting what was it what was the feeling like because obviously like i said man i'm like you said i mean you were gr- driving like a shit car growing up obviously like grinding for money and stuff like that what was that feeling like when that first big league like the signing check hit what was running through your head like did it has it, it hit you immediately or a little bit after um well i looked i remember i got a text message from one of the kids in the draft class that said hey check your bank account <laughs> i was like oh shit right so I, I saw it and like there were no words for it. Like I was like completely blank when I saw it because I'd never seen like that much money. That much. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is fucking crazy. You know, <laughs> like I didn't even know how to co- like comprehend it. I called my parents. We talked about it a little bit. We we're all so excited, but it's definitely hit and settled in. And now it's like I've, I feel comfortable and secure. It's all that matters. Yeah. So. No, it's, it's good. Obviously, I'm assuming you're with like, what agency are you with? CAA. CAA. I'm assuming they have guys that deal with that and stuff like that. So they um they help obviously with the finance and stuff like that, as all agents do and stuff like that. But how electric is it to be to like be able to just like alpha the fuck out of your parents every once in a while and be like, you know what, guys, dinner's on me. Dinner's on me. Like, when was the first time you alphaed mom, well, your parents and just just soaked dinner yourself? That hasn't happened yet. Um, I got wow. them an Airbnb. I got them an Airbnb to stay in in Nashville. Um, and that was about it when they wanted to come see me after this <laughs> season. And that's just about all I've done so far. So. Dude, and going back into Vandy, I got to talk about those jerseys. I mean, do you do you think they have the best jerseys, baseball jerseys in the SEC? I mean, those camo, I mean, those, uh, what is it, uh, Veterans Day jerseys? Those are insane. The camo ones? Yeah. Their, their jerseys are pretty sweet. I loved all the jerseys there at Vanderbilt. Did you get to keep which? Did you get to keep some? Like which ones are you hanging up in that office of yours? I only have one. I only have the one from the College World Series. They let us keep our white uniforms from that year, but I don't have anything from last year. Damn, I, that blue. Uh, they have a blue one too. That's kind of fire. Yeah, they they hung up the blue one before I got there, but they brought out the green ones. So. I was pretty happy about that. Let's talk about the Jones Jones Zone baseball here. What, what what's the background with that? Okay, so in right field every single year, there's a group of dedicated season ticket holders that stay out there for every single game, mm-hmm. and every single year they you know make yellow T-shirts and they base it off of who's in right field. They give them their they give them their own little fan section. So my freshman and sophomore year, it was I think it was Thomas Town because we had Isaiah Thomas in right field. And before that, it was like J.J. Bladey's bleachers. And so it just kind of played off of that. And one of the ladies reached out to me asking what I wanted it to be. And um, I think one of my friends came up with Jones Zone or they came up with Jones Zone. And it was just perfect. So That is such a – that's so sick. I mean, I got to get one of those shirts. Those shirts are fire. Maybe I'll grab a lift in those. So is the Jones Zone like – was it – 
because actually, no, speaking about Vandy fans, I want to ask you about this because look, I'm not really that tapped in with college baseball, to be honest. I'm not, I don't really pay that much attention to it, but what's the Vandy Whistler? Is is that a myth? Is that an actual thing? And how do you guys like, did you guys just end up tuning it out? Like how, 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 how much would he whistle? Would it be the entire game or how did that work? He would whistle in pressure situations. So if we had second and third, two outs, you know, we're on offense, he'd be whistling to mess with the defense. He'd be whistling with two strikes up on the opposing team to like get the strikeout, that kind of thing. So it was only in like um, intense situations. And for me, like I personally really liked it. Like it helped me relax because it was just like, all right, we got fans here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, so it was a comfort thing for me more than anything. I tuned him out pretty well while I was there. How many, so I got to ask you this, the other teams, would they be saying to you, man, what the fuck is this? Like, would, would other teams get pretty pissed off about it? Yeah. Like, I'd be on first <laughs> or second base and they'd be saying, like, can you just tell that guy to shut up, you know? And I'd be like, dude, you just got to tune him out. That's just kind of how it is here. <laughs> so, yeah, I loved it when he came on the road, too, because people would just oh. you know, yell at him and come at him all the time. Dude, but I saw a video of him at the College World Series. A fan came up to him, Mincy from Ole Miss, right? You saw that video? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that video. <laughs> well, the Whistler is such a good guy, and there's actually there's actually two of them. So. Oh, there's two? Yeah. Really? Two Whistlers. Oh, shit. I thought it was one guy. Who's, so who was that guy at the College World Series? Was that the one that is usually like the, the one that is always there, or are they both always there? They're both always there. Okay. I had no so. idea about that. That is that is wild. Okay, I guess. I mean, that's just the SEC, baby. It's different. It's built different than the SEC. So I got to ask you this as well, because obviously that saying the SEC is built different. Um, would you guys go to like Vandy football games in the fall, like when you guys would be playing like Tennessee and that rivalry and Rocky Top and stuff like that? Like, would you guys? Are you a big college football guy? Um, a little bit. Like we went to a few of the games. Um, while I was there, we would go and see. You know, it was we only go really for SEC games or big games or whatever else. We went to a lot of basketball games too while I was there. That was always a lot of fun. And I had never really been too big into college bat or college football until really like this year when I had more time to sit and watch it because we were always training when there were football games on in college or always always doing schoolwork. But now that I've had more time to follow it, I've gotten way more into it. Yeah. So would would your baseball games like sell out and stuff like that? Every game? Uh, I wouldn't say every game. I'd say we probably are like half capacity. I mean, it gets cold in Nashville, so I don't blame the fans for not coming out on like a Tuesday against, you know, whoever else we were playing in a midweek. Yeah. So, That's but like cool. for the big series, when it got warm out, like we had packed that place out and it was awesome. I got to ask you about Tim Corbin, man. I mean, this guy's been at Vandy for two thousand since two thousand and three. Just an absolute electric. Like I said, I don't know that much about college baseball. I do know about him, though, because every single time the College World Series is on, he's there. What is he like as a coach, and what do you think like makes him so successful at at Vanderbilt? Yeah, I mean, he's the man. Like he's like what you see on TV is exactly you know how it is. Like it's no gimmicks or anything. You know, the guy cares so much about every little detail. That's just how he lives his life, and you know you can see it every single day. His biggest thing is consistency. And so we'll have team meetings every single day and he'll be, you know, talking about little things that help not necessarily just on the baseball field, but like, you know, how to handle stress off the field, you know, what you can learn from playing, you know, these kinds of things to build you up more as a person than just as a baseball player. And so I feel like that's why he's had such a great impact in developing so many great players and 
you know, people that inside baseball, outside of baseball, guys that are still playing or guys that are different careers. Like he just has a lasting impact because you just know that he does it the right way. And I mean, this see guy, it all the time. his resume is absurd, dude. I mean, this guy is a freak. I mean, this, this guy has to, I mean, is it crazy to you that a guy like that doesn't get like at least a stab at professional baseball jobs? Or do you think he's just content with uh, coaching college baseball? I think that he really likes where he's at. And, you know, he likes making the impact in these, um, you know, these kids' lives because he gets to know them through recruiting and then the time that they share on campus and the guys who decide to come stay after the fact. Like, he loves building relationships and, you know, impacting so many people in so many different ways. Uh, let's go into the minor leagues here. A couple more things. So the minor leagues, I we've had humble brag. We had a lot of first-round draft selections on this podcast. I got to ask you this because they kind of say the same thing. So you're at the top of the world, right? You're playing at Vanderbilt. You guys are flying on these nice planes, all this type of stuff, nice hotels you're staying at, all that type of shit. You get you get drafted, and then you have to go to the Florida Gulf. Or I believe you went to FSL first, right? Or Florida Gulf Coast League first, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to go to the FCL. You're playing where it's hot as fuck. The hotels I've heard aren't that good as well. Some of the stadiums you're playing at aren't that good, at, all that type of stuff. What was that adjustment like for you, being a first-rounder, being at the top of the world, and then going to the, the top, kind of the bottom of the totem pole in minor league baseball and just grinding? I mean, you know what you're getting into. Like, you know, everybody talks about it. It's like, you know that what you – or at least I knew that what I had at Vanderbilt wasn't going to last forever. And so, like, getting into it, it's like, you know, it's it's baseball at the end of the day, right? So you're going to show up and play regardless of what's going on. And I mean, obviously it was different. It was adjustment, but I mean, I wasn't too much of a prima donna when it came to that stuff. As long as I had a place to sleep and a place to go play that day, like didn't really matter. What was the biggest, like, uh, this is minor league baseball story that you had so far in your career. Like, was it a hotel you stayed at? Like maybe a, like a, a clubhouse of a opposing team. Like what was your, this is minor league baseball moment. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the last week of the season. We're playing in Daytona and, you know, they have a, they have the, I think the Cincinnati team out there and their ball field's like a hundred years old, but it's brand new turf. So it's like, they're, <laughs> they're holding on to it. And the dugouts were probably like, you know, like 15 feet long, about four feet wide. You know, there was no space for us to walk in between. So a lot of, a lot of us were just sitting outside the dugout. And I remember that week, I think we had a thunderstorm every single day at game time that would delay us about an hour, hour and a half. And then we'd go and play and then we'd come back to the locker room and the locker room was like a portable classroom that they put together with another (laughs) one. And they had like wooden dividers for our lockers and foldable chairs. But that was like the last week when I was like, all right, this is, I can see why people say this is really tough because you know, it was just an inconsistent schedule and we were staying at, you know, some hotel, you know, not far from the field, not in the best area. And yeah, that was, that was a fun week, but it was the last one. So we got through it. And now we're here. I love just the minor leagues are so funny. Cause you know, obviously there's like, it's not like that for others, pro sports, right? Like there's no in pro hockey. You're not like, it's the AHL, ECHL, like it's pretty decent living. And then for baseball, it's like low A ball or high A or whatever it's called now, rookie ball. You're just in the trenches. Like you're literally <laughs> in the trenches. And I got to ask you this about the pitching um, for these like lower levels and stuff like that. I know a lot of these pitchers are guys that I guess you can kind of relate with when you were in high school that just threw out, throw gas, but don't have that much control. How hard is it to hit 
at that level, like when pitchers are just throwing absolute fuzz, but some of them have no idea what's happening, like where this ball's going and stuff like that. Right. So it definitely is different pitching than what I faced in college because college is a lot about polish, right. And turning over a lineup and getting guys out with a plan and all that. And then how I kind of felt when I was in the lower levels, it was more like, all right, these guys have really good stuff. They're going to bring it to you. You just have to be ready for it. And so it just kind of changed. Didn't even really change the approach. It was more just like staying on one pitch because you knew you were going to get at least one. You just couldn't miss it. So. So what what was like a big what was it like this is a pro baseball moment you had like was a kid throwing a hundred on the bump and was just absolutely letting it eat like what was like what was your moment for that um just like this 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 is this is minor league like this is pro baseball here this kid's nasty oh uh, it was probably before I even played a game we were doing like backfield live at bats and my first live at bat was off of Zach Britton when he was coming back what? from rehab so it was just in a backfield they had Zach Britton warming up and throwing. And I was like, all right, well, this is my first event in professional <laughs> baseball. And, you know, he was throwing a ball that moved like a foot and a half. And I was like, didn't even see it. It was crazy. <laughs> I think I struck out on four pitches. But, I mean, I put up a fight. So. Hey, hey, four pitch. That's that's a qual- one away from a quality at bat. It's one away from a QAB right there. That is crazy that they just throw a kid and he has to face Zach Britton. <laughs> that, is, that is absurd. But so, obviously, you went to that spring training facility as well. How nice is it? like the facilities that the Yankees have. Cause I've heard nothing but crazy things. Like they have the best chefs. Uh, the workout room is sick. All the backfields are really nice. Everything's nice there. So what was your impression, your first impression when you got there? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you have everything you could ever need for baseball and baseball training all in one house. Right. So like we're the weight room is field level with, um, yeah, the field. So it was like, we get all our weight training stuff done. We go out, warm up on the field, and then go back in the weight room and go right to the cages and hit and go out and hit on the field. Like everything was right there. And it was so streamlined and so well run that, you know, you can see why the Yankees are such a strong professional organization and all that. So like, I love the facilities. Like it's the perfect place for guys to get better and for guys to hang out and do whatever else and build as a team. So I loved it. And you being that first rounder from 2022, obviously, how crazy has like the autograph hawking and the ball seeking been for you so far in your minor league career? Because I we had Bry- Bryson Stodd, who's a really good friend of mine. He said when he was in the lower levels, he had to get like kind of escorted to the bus to avoid like all these people just hawking him and like bothering him for autographs. Was it like that for you, especially being a Yankee first rounder? Hasn't been too bad so far. I'm too nice to say no, right? So I'm always really? smiling, saying hi, joking, that kind of thing. And, you know, I'll sign balls or whatever else, but I'm I'm pretty quick to know when you're trying to take advantage of me or not, right? So I can flip the switch when I have to, but for the most part, I'm pretty nice. It hasn't been terrible so far. Um, honestly, um, my manager at the time, Rachel, was getting way more than I was. So She's awesome, she would, by the way. She's awesome. Oh, she's the best. So she would, you know, give me little hints or tricks or whatever else to, you know, just how to handle that stuff. So been- I'm assuming one of the tricks was if a grown man has a book with nine of your cards, sign one. <laughs> like, what, what was some of the yeah. tricks here? Because that's some of the stuff we hear. It's like, dude, I saw you here yesterday and I signed nine things for you. Why are you here today? Like, did you have to, did you have any of those moments so far in your career? Yeah. Um, one of them was pretty funny. Well, Rachel's Rachel's favorite one was you just ask them what their name is, then you just write their name on the ball, right? So. <laughs> You're right, their name and your name, so you can't really resell it, which makes sense. Now, the funniest one was um, I was at, I was out at Yankee Stadium with um, 
Al and Jack Leiter, we went and caught one of the games and there were autograph guys just hanging outside of the stadium. And like we walked past and they recognized us. We talked to them for a second. I think Al signed them a baseball and we leave and we go to the game. And as we're coming back to the car, they're waiting there with like printed out photos of Jack and I like fully like professionally done photos of us playing. And they were like chasing us back to the car, asking for autographs. And yeah, it was, that one was a funny one. How how hard so. is it for Jack though? Because like Jack, obviously top like first round pick selection, obviously like the recognizable last name, he probably gets it crazy. He's probably absurd with that stuff, right? Yeah. He, he gets his fair share for sure, but we always joke about it. So it's, we got to get him on this. Just... We got to get him on this podcast. I, I think I DM'd him like two years ago to come on. He's big league <laughs> me, which is fine. I respect he probably has a million DMs, but we got to get Jackie Lights on this podcast. I mean, he he seems like he's electric, and he is. He's going to be in the show very soon. I think, right? I mean, he's is he one of the best pitchers you've ever played with? Yeah, by far one of the best pitchers I've ever played with. Like it's not even close. <laughs> what are you lifetime against Jack Lighter? Um, I'd like to say I'm lifetime two for four, but he'll probably tell you a little different, right? <laughs> he's gotten me, he's gotten me a handful of times, but he always just is like, but you never cut a barrel off of me. You only got hits. So I was like, I can, that's, right. a, that's a pitcher thing to say though. That's a real, that's a real pitcher thing to say is you just never caught barrels against me. So what, what do you think makes Jack Leiter so good? Like what makes him such a good, like such a hard at bat? Um, just knowing that he's relentless in a sense you know what i mean like the guy's gonna come after you and he's gonna give you his best stuff and his stuff is really good and it plays really well you know regardless of where it is in the zone so just knowing that he's gonna come after you is it's tough especially when it's just yeah 99 at your face and you didn't even see it in the first place so yeah <laughs> that's electric i gotta ask you about the guy that uh helped you get get come on this podcast cooper davis my guy I've known Cooper since he was like 12 years old. I mean, that kid was also disgusting at hockey, too. He was nasty. Well, what's your relationship like with Coop? I mean, obviously, I think he's the first ever Canadian to go to Vandy. Is that correct? I think – no, I think that, that's what it is. First ever Canadian. Would not surprise me if he was the first. Yeah, he's an unbelievable guy. Um, he was a he was a senior captain um, my sophomore year, and I spent a lot of time with him just messing around. He was always um, really into his plane, right? He had a flight simulator in his room. And we would go, uh, he, he taught me how to land a plane, which was pretty fun. <laughs> but, dude, the guy's awesome. He was a perfect clubhouse guy, perfect older leader, that kind of thing. And was just so much fun to be around off the field. Total goofball. Love the kid to death. He's electric. Is That that, that might be the first Canadian you ever met, right? I mean, it had to be, especially being a Cali kid. You were playing, playing yep. with any Canadians back then. I mean, it, to look back on the accomplishments that that guy's made, obviously he played for Team Canada here for a long period of time, the junior national team, first ever Canadian at Vanderbilt, man. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy looking back on it. I mean, the, Vanderbilt's never had a Canadian. He was the first one. So it's just uh, that guy is also just unbelievably fast. Might be the fastest dude of all time. Was it? Was he just a freak on the base pass when you were playing with him? Oh, yeah. He was an athlete. I mean, he had the perfect um, push bump as a lefty. You put it right between the uh, first base and a pitcher. And it was a base hit every time for that kid. So <laughs> unbelievable. Teams definitely hated that shit. So I got a couple more things here to ask you. So the second last thing that I want to ask you is, is just being a part of the Yankees organization. Um, what, what do you think makes them different? Like, are they very focused on analytic stuff? Like, did they change some stuff in your swing? Like, what, what do you think makes them so different than other organizations? Like the off season training, like, what is it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just like attention to detail more than anything else. You know, there's a lot of people that care about their jobs and what they're doing and making sure that they're, you know, like, you know, growing the program in the best way possible. And so there's people that I check in with every single week, making sure that I'm on my training stuff and I'll fill them in with whatever else and they'll give me more information as we go along. And it's like, it's just little things. Like you can just see it in the way that they prepare for every single day, the plans that they have, you know, like it's, you know, it's well run and the people, the people really care. And their biggest thing is that they'll never give you, you know, something to change or advice unless there's evidence to back it up. That's been like, you know, cross-checked and sourced with everybody that needs to see it. So it's like, there's always a reason to the support of the changes that they're making because, you know, they have the ability to do that, which is pretty special. So what was your first impression when you stepped foot in Yankee stadium? Like you said, you go watch a game and I think that's your Twitter background is you, uh, behind first base at, or behind third base at Yankee Stadium. I don't know what it is. What was your first impression when you got to see the hollowed grounds at Yankee Stadium for the first time? I mean, it was really cool. I felt like I was like walking on air, walking into that place, just knowing that could be the future, right? So yeah. I thought it I thought it was special. And then when we got down to field level, I was like, oh, it's just a baseball field, you know? Because like you see it on TV and whatever else. But at the end of the day, it's all a baseball field. So I'm excited. It's it's just I it 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 is sick. You got to tip your cap to it. Listen, I'm not I'm not a big Yankee guy. Maybe this could maybe you could actually help me out with that. Maybe you can tell them to ease up <laughs> on me. But uh, yeah, I could I could definitely respect that. So what number do you think you're gonna be? Like what 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 not you're you were 34 obviously in uh at Vandy. Was that for Bryce Harper or what was that for? Uh, I think it was because. 34 could be a pitcher's number or a hitter's number. We didn't really know what position. That's a power yet. move. That's a power move. So, okay. So is that what number you you were with Tampa and stuff like is that, is that what like what number do you prefer? Um, I think in the complex I was number 66. And then in low A, I was number 35. But for me, like honestly, I will wear any number. Like I think at the combine I wore number 87 because I wanted to look like a tight end. Right. So <laughs> it does not matter to me. I'll wear you know, double zero if they wanted me to. So that's also does not matter. Number. That's also kind of a sick number. So yeah, this this is the last thing, a uh, second last thing. Sorry, here you ha- being a lefty. Like I gotta ask this to a guy that's a lefty. Do you realize that you your swings look substantially better as a like just be naturally being a lefty? Like, do you sometimes look back at the swings that like the swing videos that people post to you and be like, that looks kind of smooth. Like I don't know if it'll look this smooth as a righty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, lefties, I think have smoother swings. And yeah, don't get me wrong. I've seen all the video and stuff. I look at that a lot. And I know what looks smooth and what doesn't look smooth. So just trying to get smoother as time goes on, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I Listen, that, that's what you got to do. But um, and by the way, you were trending on Twitter at one point this year. That's, I mean, that's kind of a that's a power move. Is that is that a picture you have saved in your phone? I you didn't even know trending? I was trending on Twitter. Really? <laughs> what was I trending for? Uh... Five at bats, four hits, seven RBIs. That these stats are just. I think you got more hits in this game than I got in my whole entire college career. Four <laughs> hits, seven RBIs, two doubles, and a nuke. Holy shit! That is, and you were trending on Twitter. So credit to you for that. So the last thing That's I want to ask you is obviously, um, going into next year, uh, first full year in pro ball. What's one thing you've been working on so far this off season? Are you are you trying to get a little bit bulkier, faster? Like what are you working on here? Yeah, it's just about building up the motor to play 140 games, right? So I want to be able to play as many games as possible and get as many at-bats as possible and just see what happens this year. And the the offseason goal is just getting bigger, faster, stronger. 
just so when I get to camp, I'll be ready to go. There it is. There you have it, Yankee fans. So, so two things, Yankee fans. One, lay off me. And two, keep pumping Jonesy's tires here because this kid's going to be really special for you guys in the future. I'm excited to see you at the Rogers Center. Um, we'll maybe get a pregame pick before Yankee fans just obviously verbally assault me for taking a picture with you. <laughs> uh, but anyways, man, keep doing your thing, brother. I needed to get you on right when I heard, I've heard tons of things about how good you are and how good of a guy you are. So I'm fired up. And now you're kind of obligated every single time I ask you to come on the podcast. You kind of have to come on. Like I, if you go like whenever I say it to all the guests, you're obligated to come on now. Um, right. You're my guy now. And like I said, I got your back on social media. Anyone comes at you, I got you. All right. Just know that you got me in the trenches fighting the fight for you. So just keep oh, doing yeah, your brother. thing, man. I'm fired up to see your future, dude. Because uh, we'll look back on this because we had Cade Cavalli on, but when he got drafted, stuff like that, and obviously in the show and stuff like that, we get to grind together, me and you. I get to grind with your minor league career with you. I get to watch you come up. So I'm excited for it, man. Keep doing your thing, and uh, I'm excited to see what you do next year, bro. Hell yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. <laughs>